You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we're going to, once again, roll with a bunch of questions. I'm, I'm really, really excited. When I started this whole phone line thing, I got one like every once in a while. Now I'm just getting flooded with them, which is fantastic. Because I think for me in particular, all I need is a little bit of a spark to kind of get this brain rolling. Because sometimes I just don't think of stuff, and then I get a question, and it just sends me off on a tangent. And I do apologize for those times when I kind of barely address your question and then go off on a tangent. But I do my best to make sure that I I really address it as straightforward as I can. And again, I just want to say thank you. The phone number, by the way, if you'd like to text in, if you'd like to call in, and I'm going to do my best to make sure that I get... um, If you call in and want, you know, to be played on the air, that's kind of the standard the only two reasons i wouldn't do that one is if you specify hey please don't put this on the air i just want to ask you a question that's fine number two it's it's i mean brevity man brevity's got to be the thing if you want me to play it like if you just want to talk that's awesome i'm going to listen to the whole thing it's going to help me even to kind of like get into the mindset of what you're talking about that's fine but i can't put like a three minute long diatribe with like a one 15 second question mixed in there somewhere so you, you get that right But anyways, that's what we're going to start with, and then depending on time, we'll find something else to talk about, because believe it or not, it's the off-season, but there is zero shortage of things to talk about. In fact, I could probably do three episodes today if I so chose, but I don't so chose. All right, sorry, the phone number. The phone number is 608-501-0718. Once again, that number is 608-501-0718. Dude, I just rock at singing sometimes feel like I should have done like a rock opera, you know, because I rock, but I got like those opera pipes and I could just, I could just absolutely kill it from both angles. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out, uh, figure out the singing career another time. As another aside, I just want to uh, get a special shout out to the newest Green Bay Packers fanatic, Mr. Everett Robert Patino, just born yesterday. I tell you just because obviously in about 21-ish years, 22 years, Dude's going to be playing left guard for the uh, Green Bay Packers, so just a good name to, to know. Beyond that, NFLBigBoard.com, I haven't plugged in a while. Should be doing another update next week. Already in the works, uh, thinking about, you know, 2020 season, I, I really want to take it up another notch. If you look at the difference between 2018 and 2019 draft, NFL Big Board made a pretty big jump, and I've, I've got some, I got ideas, man. That's, that's just, that's, that's me in a nutshell, man. I got ideas. Biggest problem I have is reining it in and just being loyal to one idea, which by the way, 365, you know, pretty loyal, right? But anyways, please check that out. Good amount of work goes into that. And I, I, I did it because, again, I, I think it's a really awesome tool. For those that don't know, NFLBigBoard.com is an aggregation. All the major big boards and a lot of them that you've never heard of, but all reputable, are aggregated into one big, big board so that there's no bias. There's no TDN bias, although there's a little bit of a TDN bias because I'm using all of their boards. So it's, you know, a little slanted. But they're they're pretty awesome, so I'm okay with that. But, you know, CBS, NFL, Walter, whatever, all those boards averaged out and put into one big board, one big, big board, um, and a bunch of other resources. Just check it out, see what you think. 
Also, be sure to get in the Facebook group. I finally did. I'm very excited. Yesterday, the um, the bonus episode I've been saying I wanted to do, I got the first one done. I thought it went way better than I expected. I didn't know how it was going to go, but uh, special guest Todd was on the show. A little bit of a bonus. He's got a podcast, so, you know, it wasn't super awkward. If anything, I was awkward and he was fine. But uh, be sure to check out uh, or look out for that. I'm planning on launching that. I mean, it's going to be pretty simple. Just upload it and go. But I'm going to wait until the afternoon and uh, launch my first bonus episodes. You're getting two today. So actually, we're going to have more than 365 podcasts in a year. I just, I can't be stopped. But look out for that. Get in the Facebook group. And I know I'm not supposed to be asking for iTunes reviews until I get about three of these things done. The bonus episodes. But you know what? I did one and we're at 99. Can, Can I please just get one more five-star review. I want to hit that 100 mark, man. I, I just, this is awesome. I love this. This is, this is a lot of fun. But let's talk Packers. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's start with our, our daily correspondent, affectionately known as Andy from Wisconsin, currently living in Kansas. But he had two points, uh, a question and then a point, which will turn into a question which I can answer, even though it wasn't actually a question, but we're going to talk about it. But the question was, now that we've addressed defense to this extent, what is the, I guess, probability, or what do you think about really attacking offense? And there's kind of two ways to answer this question. There's my opinion, and then there's what Gutekunst thinks. And I actually think, as a fan, now, I mean, you know, mock drafts and everything else, what do we do? We sit back and we try to speculate what would I do and all this stuff. I'm actually curious to see what the Packers do in the draft because I'm curious what Gutekunst thinks. Because as I said, what are the two biggest keys to making sure you're a Super Bowl caliber team? Quarterback, which we've got, and defense. If in Gutekunst's mind we have defense, and obviously we we still need a safety, there's no question about it, but okay. So we address safety. What about everybody? We, We have 10 picks in this draft. If we go, let, let's say, double up on safety, we get one at 30, and then we get it one in the third or fourth round. Do we really hammer at, at pick 12, which is pretty unlikely just based on who's available at 12, but, you know, 12 and 44 and uh, down the line, are we going offense, 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 offense? It's interesting to me because, it, in a way, it tells me what Gutekunst thinks about the defense. And, and again, keep in mind, all things being equal, I think you attack defense just because it's, it's maybe a little bit more important than a tight end or whatever. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I, I would like to know what he's going to do and, and what his stance is. And I think we're going to get a picture of that, even though he's maybe not going to tell us. He's going to demonstrate it to us based on the draft. And it is best pace play, player available. But again, remember, we're talking, we're operating in tiers. And there could be tiers with, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, 15, 20 guys in it. By the time you're getting to the sixth round, you're looking at, you know, eight fourth round guys you have fourth round grades on. And you're kind of just picking. 
So at that point, you're looking at... So at pick 12, we're probably not picking based on want because the tiers are much more... You know, you've you got one or two guys in a tier, but as you move on, it kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it, it's more it's more best player available early and then need later in the draft. But it, it'll give us a picture of what Brian Gutekunst thinks of this team. In terms of my thought, I think there's just a couple things that we have to address. Otherwise, it's best player available. And maybe this is what Brian Gutekunst is going to do. But in my opinion, because we talk about need in kind of sort of a cavalier kind of way. Right, we still need a pass rusher. Well, we don't need a pass rusher. Another, when I say need, I'm talking about we kind of can't field a team without it. Safety, in my opinion, is a need. Now, okay, we can we can technically do it with Tremont and Amos. That's true, but in my opinion, that's still a need. Right, defensive tackle would be beneficial if we get a pass rusher. Not a need. Edge rusher would be very beneficial. Not a need. I would say linebacker is a need. I'm I'm listen. I don't I don't like when I pile on somebody. I I just want to. Oren Burks could absolutely take a step, but I just, all I have is information, and based on the information, if Oren Burks doesn't take a step, we're really in trouble at linebacker. And yeah, we can take Josh Jones and just say you're a linebacker now, but even at that, I, I don't know, I don't know, we'll, we'll see. If, if they make that move official, we'll see how he does. I don't know that I'm 100% sold, like pretty much all of Packers Twitter, that he's just a done deal, it's automatic. Do I think he'd be better than Oren Burks? Probably. But in my mind, he's a tweener. Like, like I said before, the difference between a tweener and a versatile guy. I feel like even as a linebacker, I don't know how good in coverage he's going to be. And I think he's too much of a safety to be a real solid, awesome linebacker, right? He's, he's you know, if a, if a guard gets his hands on him, he's just going to destroy him. So I don't know. I, you know, in my mind, Josh Jones, I don't want to make him just a linebacker. I'd like to give him one more opportunity to be this sort of box safety, the, the versatile safety slash linebacker type of guy. And he, it, it's sink or swim for him. That, that's my personal preference, but whatever. So safety and linebacker, I think, are, are needs we have to address. Wide receiver is really tricky, um, similar to cornerback. The difference, though, is I'm kind of a little bit more comfortable with sink or swim at cornerback because we have early round guys, and I feel like if, if these guys can't make it, I'm okay with just saying, look, you're either going to be awesome or we're in trouble. Wide receiver, though, I mean, look at the, we, we have a lot of bodies, but they're late round guys and they were drafted late for a reason. So the, the expectation that they can and will become something much better, I guess is just a little bit less. And I, you know, we just look at the, the problems that we had and listen, the, again, this is why being somebody on the outside, as opposed to somebody on the inside, it's just my thoughts and feelings as Gutekunst and Lafleur and everybody diagnose things. If, if they're looking at it, if I'm Gutekunst and I go talk to Lafleur and he's like, look, man. We're good at wide receiver. Equinemius is a freak. Marquez we can use in, in this kind of a way, that kind of way. To be completely honest, I'm not Kumar, I'm not sure Kumaro makes the roster. Kind of a kind of a Hail Mary from this far back, but I'm just saying. But you look at some of the versatility, you look at Jamon and his route running ability. And if you get a creative enough and, and innovative enough offensive coordinator, I feel like he can utilize these guys a little bit better than McCarthy did. In other words, we're not just running goes on third and uh, third and two. And really, if it, I mean, let's face it, whoever it is in your mind that's the most creative guy, say Andy Reid or, or uh, whoever, McVay, what can they do with these athletic kind of guys, right? I'm, I'm off on a tangent a little bit, but I, I guess I'm kind of on the fence with wide receivers. So basically what I'm saying is there's not too many things that we have to address. I would really like to get guard, safety, linebacker, otherwise, eh. I think tight end is also something that kind of needs to be addressed. Maybe not super early round, but it's got to at least be mid-round. 
I don't want to go any further than fourth round, and even even at fourth, I I would prefer first, second, or third round, just because we we got to do something there, and the veteran guys are not long term solutions, and well, bottom line, we just don't have a long term solution, and that's kind of my problem. If if it's not somebody that can, I I don't mind a developmental prospect, in other words, a guy that's maybe going to take a year or two. Because it's not a super massive need, and if, if it takes a year to bring a guy in and be like, okay, you learn under Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis, I mean, can you imagine a better environment for a young developmental tight end than that? So those are the things that are absolute needs. Otherwise, it, it's really just kind of up in the air. So again, if we're looking at Gutekunst, it's a matter of, I just want to sit back and watch and see what he does to kind of let him tell us what he thinks of the roster, because I think that'll be very telling. From my standpoint, there's a couple points where I feel like we really need to hit or I'm nervous. Otherwise, it's just, let's just get studs, man. I just I just want to get studs. It sounds simplistic, but it, it that's pretty much what best player available is. And I also do not mean high RAS score, high spark score. I mean really stud football players. Guys that just ball out. I would rather take a flyer on a guy who you look at his combine and it's like, it doesn't really make sense how he's so good. Because, I mean, look at his, well, technically that was Josh Jackson, which didn't pan out super well, but hopefully he kind of gets up to speed. But I just I just want good football players, and we'll see what happens from there. As far as really quickly summarizing your specific question, do we go real hard offense? I think if I were to put that in context, it's a matter of, yes, let's hit offense if defense is settled. If it's not, we need to hit defense. Defense needs to be the priority because, again, quarterback and defense are the two most important things. If defense is settled, let's really stack Aaron Rodgers with talent. If not, let's get this defense right. So that's sort of my summarized answer or macro view of my thoughts on that. The other thing is uh, Andy had a comment, and it's more of a statistical comment, and it's, it's very accurate, so I'll relay it. But it's sort of the idea that, you know, a lot of people say the odds of getting two quarterbacks in a row is just impossible. So the odds of getting three is just astronomical. Well, that's silly. You know, it's sort of like if you walk up to a, what is it, a roulette table, and you can see that it's been black 17 times in a row. What are most people going to do? They're going to walk up, they're going to put it on red. And I talked about this like yesterday when I said I hate when people talk about history because it has nothing to do with the present. Like, oh, the Lions haven't won here in 17 years. Like, that has literally nothing to do with what's going on right now. So when we look at the Packers moving forward, getting another good quarterback, it has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. It has everything to do with the probability of hitting on a quality quarterback, which is kind of the reason why I like the idea of moving away from we need an elite quarterback into the realm of getting a quarterback that can be serviceable in a different philosophy. Why? Because it grows our odds of getting the next quarterback that can get us into a Super Bowl. right? If, if we need a guy that is a top 15 caliber guy just to be able to plug into Lafleur's scheme, that way we have a good run game, we have a good pass game, we have a good defense, we can make our way to the Super Bowl, our odds are pretty high because it's, you know, what is it? I, I don't know what the probability would be. One in five, if you draft a guy in the first round, that he's going to be top 15. It's not great, but... It's not terrible. The, the odds of getting the next Aaron Rodgers, it's it's astronomical. But either way, to his point, the odds of getting the next Aaron Rodgers are the odds of getting an Aaron Rodgers, period. It's the same odds of the Jets getting the next Aaron Rodgers or the Browns getting the next Aaron Rodgers or the Chiefs getting Pat Mahomes or whatever. So he is accurate and it's, you know, he, he's nitpicking, 
but he does exactly what I do, so I figured I'd relay that to you, because that's kind of how I am. So you j- just remember that mathematically, right? I mean, th- this is not a, this is not an opinion. This is a mathematical fact. The Packers do not have a lesser chance of getting a third elite passer as the Jets have of getting, you know, just one in a row. Now, moving on from this, though, I, I do think it's a really interesting kind of question as far as how do the Packers get number three? If you look at how we acquired Brett Favre, it was a trade, right? The Falcons had him. They were, it was kind of a joke, like, look at this goofball. And Wolf saw that and was like, look, this guy's legit. I want to trade for him. Now, if you think about it, it's kind of funny because what he did for Favre is, is somewhat similar. I mean, not exactly, but you're looking at a guy that was traded for, and you kind of wonder if Gutekunst for Deshaun Kaiser was his best attempt at being the next Ron Wolf, right? Here's a really talented guy that I like, thought was a first-round talent that went in the second round. They're not utilizing him properly, which the Browns weren't, but he has an incredible amount of talent. Let's trade for him, get him here, and develop him. And, and listen, Deshaun Kaiser has some ability. There's no question. I don't know what his upside is. I don't know what's going to happen. But with Lafleur in there, who's a quarterback coach, uh, who's done great thing with great things with quarterbacks, a new offensive coordinator. Let's see what happens. But again, that was how we got Favre. And then you look at Aaron Rodgers. That wasn't planned. You know, when we start thinking about how do we make a plan, and I do this too. I've done this before, so I'm indicting myself here. We start talking about, man, we, we got to start planning. We got to start doing this. Brett Favre was a trade. They didn't draft him. They just saw him sitting there, and they're like, they're not utilizing him properly. We're going to capitalize on them do- and on the Falcons doing the wrong thing, and we're going to take him. You look at Aaron Rodgers, what happened? He fell too far. It was a fluke, but it was just a matter of them doing their homework, right? It, it was prior to draft day. They started looking at, and by the way, those people who say mock drafts are dumb, this is why you do that, because you look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers, and you say he's never going to fall out of the top five. He's probably going number one. But the Packers looked at it and said, look at the teams that are in front of us. If he makes it past, you know, five or whatever it is, he could fall all the way to us because there's not a lot of quarterback needy teams. It's about situational type stuff. So they put in the tape on Aaron Rodgers. They fell in love with the guy and Aaron Rodgers fell. They didn't need a quarterback at the time, but it was just, it was taking advantage. It was doing your homework, being diligent and being ready to make a move when the opportunity presented itself. That's going to be the biggest thing is preparation. So as much as I want to panic and be like, Ooh, what do we do? We, we got to trade way up and get, get Lawrence. How, how do we get Trevor Lawrence? Or, I mean, maybe, maybe we got to tank. I don't, I don't know what we got to do. By the way, getting Trevor Lawrence is going to be a near impossibility. But I think just being prepared and, and just being ready to pounce, right? You, do, you don't want to be over-aggressive, right? Just, just a lion laying in the, uh, what do you call those? I don't know, in the grass. You know, the, the stuff that's the same color as them. This analogy just really is not good. But you know what I'm saying. Be patient, but be diligent and be, you know, and, and that's how you win because everybody else is freaking out. Right? Everybody else is trading away everything they have to move up and get a guy, and the guy doesn't pan out. Wait for the right person to be in the right spot, and you take him. They took a shot at Deshaun Kaiser. We'll see. Probably not going to be the guy, but it's fine because it's a little bit early anyways. Deshaun Kaiser is getting to be about the age where it's like, you know, he's getting kind of old right around the time we're looking for the next quarterback anyways. So he was, you know, potentially a replacement, but not really a long-term solution anyways. But let's, let's work on it. Absolutely. Let's, let's start looking at drafting guys later on. And actually, you know, if you, if you see, if you look at Brett Hundley and what happened with Brett Hundley, he shouldn't have fallen all the way to where he did. The Packers saw him fall to the fourth round and said, we got to go get him. They traded up and got him. Well, didn't really pan out that well. But that's the kind of stuff we have to be doing. And actually, again, I want to plug the bonus episode because that kind of happens in this episode as well. So 
somebody who kind of, you know, is paying attention, really likes somebody, saw him there and was like, why is this guy still here? And took a flyer on him. And I, I think that's the kind of stuff you got to be doing. And then, of course, as you get closer to Aaron Rodgers retiring, you have to get a little bit more aggressive. If you haven't found the guy yet, you got to start looking, okay, maybe we go second round. Maybe we go first round. It just, But still, you don't want to be in that position like a lot of these teams that are terrible where we don't have a quarterback anymore. So we got to get whoever the best guy is in this draft, even though he's not that great, and we got to throw away everything we have, go get this guy, and then we got to invest in him for four years because we spent so much on him. We can't just give him away. It's a nightmare. So I think patience and preparation, but also looking forward is going to be the biggest thing, right? Aaron Rodgers was drafted several years before Brett Favre was ready to retire. Don't wait until it's too late. Do your homework. Get good quarterbacks. It is still the most important position on this on this team. If you see a solid quarterback sitting there, Get him on this team. Lock him up. That's all there is to it. All right, let's let's move on to the next call. I, I do really want to focus a lot more on quarterbacks because Packer fans don't really care. But I think it's important for us to start watching quarterbacks and understanding what it is we need, understanding trends within quarterbacks. And I think maybe starting next year in particular, and who knows, we'll see what Gutekunst does. Maybe he does take a quarterback early. But we got to start paying attention because we are getting to that point where quarterback becomes important. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. But this is a call that I got. I'm going to go ahead and play the audio. I see that it's a 224 area code, which is Chicago. But um, I'm going to guess by the accent you're not from Chicago. So either you're goofing with an accent or you're not a native, my friend. But anyways, thank you for calling. Be sure to call back in. Let me know your name so I can, uh, so we can converse a little bit. Hey, Ryan. I was just wondering, why do you think the Packers kept Tremont Williams around? He didn't seem up to snuff last year. He's getting paid a decent number this year. And I think he could just be replaced and nobody would miss him. Thank you for your time. First of all, you're very welcome for my time and thank you for your time. I think it's a good question. And I I brought it up once on Twitter and I I was not very warmly received that the Packers might not keep Tremont Williams. I I love Tremont Williams, man. I think Tremont Williams is the embodiment. And and I'm really sorry if you guys are getting tired of me talking about culture and locker room and all that stuff. I understand that it's not the cool, sexy thing. Right, we just want ath- we want freaks. We want Antonio Brown. I said it right that time. I'm try- I'm working on it, man. Practice, practice. Antonio. But I listen, I get it. I'm just saying it's important for what we have now, and I'm not going into that, but I think that's a good thing about Tremont. I think he is a a really good person. I think he's a good locker room guy. I think he has that veteran presence because remember we have a very young team. And I also think he you know, compared to a lot of our defensive backs, who's better than Tremont? Jair? And Amos, that's it. So right now, Tremont is a versatile piece that has the potential to be our number two corner and has the potential to be our number two safety. Either or. So after this draft, he he's actually a really vital piece. And I get it, man. And we'll talk about the salary cap implications in a little bit. But I, I think having Tremont is actually extremely valuable at this particular point in time for Brian Gutekunst because it gives him flexibility in the draft. And, and look, if we satisfy the corner and the the um, the safety position, and we get into camp, and, and there's guys that are just blowing Tremont out of the water, maybe he's expendable, 
But I just think at this particular point in time, and even in the season, with his versatility and his skill set and his locker room presence, having him on the team I think is actually extremely valuable. So, you know, if we get a young safety to come in, even just having him on the roster to coach him up a little bit and bring him up to speed. So, you, so it's one of those situations where, let's say, we get a Taylor Rapp or, or whoever. Let's say it's a third-round guy, fourth-round guy, not exactly a Taylor Rapp who's going to start day one. And so week one, who are we starting with? It's going to be Adrian Amos. It's going to be Tremont Williams at safety. And the goal is for Brian Gutekunst and Lafleur and all these guys in Petten, we want Tremont to coach this guy up. And the, the cool thing about Tremont, and I'm not going to you know pretend like I know the guy, but I think he fully understands that he's at the back nine, right? He, he's done. He's This is probably his last contract. I legitimately believe Tremont is the kind of guy that is going to really train up his replacement. Now, a lot of guys aren't going to do that, right? If you're 27 years old, or, or let's say you're 30 years old, let's say you're Mike Daniels, and that this is not a slap against Mike Daniels, but whoever you are, you're 30 years old, and they draft a young guy at defensive tackle. What is your incentive to coach this guy up? Because you're trying to get that that third contract, right? You're trying to stay on the team. If you coach this guy up, you're expendable. The better he is, the less valuable you are. Tremont fully understands he's kind of done, right? And I'm assuming he's kind of getting to that point. He's got a good amount of money. You know, he's, he's getting kind of old. You know, you just kind of get to that point where it's like, I think I'm ready. I don't want to speak for him, but I just think he would be the kind of guy that would say, I'm going to play but I'm going to be okay with coaching this guy up and making sure I give him everything that I need to know because I love football. I care about the Packers, and I want the Packers to be great. I want this locker room to be great. I want these guys to be great when I'm on the team and also after I leave the team. I want to leave it better than when I was here. So that's the value at safety. If we get a guy like, let's say, Taylor Rapp or Nasir Adderley, and they come in and they're ready day one, guess what? We got Tremont and Jair as number one and number two, and we got Kevin King and Josh Jackson and all these. So we have a good rotational cornerback group. And if anything happens at safety, you got tre- so the the safety and the comfort that he provides to this defense and to Mike Pettin and the ability to make sure that we just have a fail safe. If anything goes wrong, Tremont is going to fix it. So you got the locker room impact, you got the veteran impact, you got the versatility impact. Tremont has a lot of value. Now in terms of our salary cap. He's he's counting six point three seven five million against the cap. We paid him a one million dollar roster bonus. So it's one of those things where whenever you give a guy a roster bonus, you can kind of assume he's gonna be there. One million dollars isn't gonna kill you, but I mean that's a million dollars you can't get back. And that's that's both cap money as well as real dollars. So there's kind of a double impact there. I mean, you know, again, we, we talk about cap dollars as though it's like monopoly money, but if if you are a business and you gave away a million dollars to a guy who is not going to be on this team, That that's real money, man. That's that's actually a million dollars you gave away, and he's not playing for this team. That You have to be held accountable for that. A million dollars is, is, that's a lot of money. I know in context, and listen, I work in the medical field. I know millions of dollars, thousands of dollars, all this stuff. It's it's like nothing. It's like candy, right? A linear accelerator. If you wanted to buy one of those, it's, it's 10 million bucks just at the drop of a hat, but you're making like 10 grand per procedure, takes about 15 minutes, boom, it's money coming in like nothing, right? It, you have to change your perspective on money, but still, at the end of the day, a million dollars is a million dollars. Now, if we were to release him, by the way, at this point, we're looking at $3.75 million in savings. Now, the only reason I do something like that is to bring on an Eric Berry, but but I think to a maybe slightly lesser extent, but maybe not even, because I don't want to be disrespectful to Tremont. I Like I said, I really, really appreciate Tremont as a Packer. I think he's got a really good heart. I think a lot of the things I said yesterday about, yesterday about Eric Berry, you get with Tremont Williams. 
But I think maybe if you really wanted to get Eric Berry, you would have to move on from Tremont. Primarily because Barry fills what Tremont does, so you get a little bit too much overlap, but also because you need that extra salary cap space. And in addition, in, in addition, this has been a very, I mean, I started this like two hours ago, but it's the weekend, so it's like, oh, I want tacos now, so my, my tongue is falling asleep. Lots of talking. In addition, y- you need about $4 million to sign Eric Barry, 3.75 in saving. That would be the only real reason I could see moving on. But in general, I, I like the idea of let's just keep Tremont. Let's just keep him. We'll pay him the 6.3. We, we both agree, and I think Tremont knows full well after 2019 it's over. But for this year, what do we get? We get a versatile piece who can fill in at cornerback if our guys don't step up and fill their potential. And I think Tremont is automatically cornerback number two if our guys don't step up. Beyond that, at safety, we have a safety there. So, I mean, I, I actually think Tremont is very valuable. But I also understand where you're coming from because I also think he's extremely expendable. It's just a matter of where Gutekunst feels like we're at. If we have our safeties figured out, if we have our corners figured out by the beginning of, of camp, what is the purpose of Tremont other than a locker room presence? And do we want to pay $6.3 million for a locker room guy? As much as I feel like we need that, yeah, maybe not. But I do expect Tremont to be on this team. And, and based on everything I, I mentioned and, and his versatility and all that, I think 6.3 is kind of a steal. So those are my thoughts on Mr. Tremont Williams. And hopefully we can retain him. Hopefully he has a big impact uh, on and off the field. And hopefully he can retire a Packer. And um, it's just a, a great story from top to bottom. All right, so those are the voicemails that I have. I want to get to some of these text messages. This one I got um, several days ago, actually. Um, it looks like you've asked me a few questions, and I apologize that I maybe forgot to address them. But whatever your name is, Mr. Wisconsinite, 715 Area Code, I'm an area code stalker. I apologize for that if that creeps you out, but I'm just curious where you're from. But you've asked me several questions about Tim Boyle. So let's talk about Tim Boyle a little bit because your your latest question is is um, pretty pretty straightforward. You want me to do a comparison to Tim Boyle and Aaron Rodgers before he was a starter. Let me just address a different question that uh, you asked that I don't believe I addressed, and that is, why do you think Tim Boyle can't be the backup quarterback, possibly a future starter? So let, let's, do a, let's do a talk about Tim Boyle. A lot of people maybe don't want to hear it, but guess what? He's wearing the green and gold. He is a quarterback. He has the potential to be our backup quarterback. And in the eyes of Mr. Northern Wisconsin, 715, potentially the future starter. So actually, it's kind of piquing my interest. So let's take a look. So I think the first thing to note, and by the way, this is probably the wrong thing for a podcaster to do, but I believe Packaday had an interview uh, with Tim Boyle. So I would actually encourage you to go listen to that if you're interested in Tim Boyle. Again, I don't see other podcasters as competition. I wish them all the best. Packaday, I think, is an awesome podcast. Uh, Bukowski does a good job. Uh, Blue 58 is a great podcast. There's a lot of good content out there. But anyways, Tim Boyle, I think, did a Packaday with uh, Herman, so be sure to check that out. But six foot three, 224 pounds, quarterback out of Connecticut, uh, played three years. Uh, his completion percentage has always been kind of horrible. Uh, 2013, 44.4%. After that, 52 and 51%. So rated right about 50% is not really great. If you look at his yards passing, 621, 335, 281. Average yards per attempt, 4.7, 4.1, I mean, these aren't really good numbers. Uh, touchdown, 0, 1, and 0. So <laughs> one touchdown in three years, 13 interceptions in three years. So... I, you know, I, I think the general rule intangibles with Mr. Tim Boyle are, are kind of what's intriguing. But if you look at what he produced, again, touchdown to interse- uh, interception ratio, one touchdown, 
13 interceptions, passer rating of 77.9. No idea how it's that high with that ridiculous of a horrible uh, passer rating. Now, I, I, I don't want to assume where you're coming from because I, I don't want to be condescending in any kind of way. I don't know how much homework you've done. Again, Andy Herman seems to really like Tim Boyle as well. He, here's kind of my thought on this. Tim Boyle was an undrafted free agent and for a reason. 6'4", 232 is what he weighed in at. He's only 24 years old. Clearly, he's shown a lot of promise, right? If you go to his practice, I, I remember this from, from the practice when I was doing this podcast. It was it was basically Tim Boyle was the guy that was really showing up. I mean, Tim Boyle was kind of showing up Aaron Rodgers in a lot of cases as far as like, you know, nailing that little basket thing that they've got. Tim Boyle looked great in practice. Tim Boyle also looked good in um, the preseason. So, for example, if we look at preseason week one, he graded out 76.6, which is a very, I mean, it's good. It's not very good, but, you know, I, I want to say very good because you're talking about, again, an undrafted free agent for the Packers. That's exciting. In preseason week two, he had a good, borderline very good grade. Preseason week four, the last time he played, kind of a terrible grade. So to give a little bit more context, if you look at preseason week one, uh, 16 dropbacks, 15 attempts, only seven completions, which is 46.7, which is kind of the problem to begin with. Very low completion percentage, 130 yards, 8.7 yards per attempt, which isn't bad, but two touchdowns, zero interceptions. And I think I think this is kind of the problem. And I again, anybody wearing green and gold, I really have a hard time kind of trashing somebody, but sometimes I just do it and that's the way it is. If you listen to this podcast from day one, basically the first the first <laughs> first year of this podcast was me telling you how much I dislike Brett Hundley. And I kind of feel bad about that, but it is what it is. Here's the situation. Tim Boyle is on a lot of people's mind because he's built like a quarterback. He does a lot of things that really stand out, right? He you know when when they're doing the net drill, he's the one that stands out. When you think about the preseason, what happened? Well, the completion percentage was terrible, but what do people remember? They remember 130 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. NFL passer rating of 116.7. That's what people remember. Week two, what did he do? Eight dropbacks, seven attempts, four completions, 57.1% completion percentage. Again, not, I mean, better than average, but you know we're talking about four out of seven. 37 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Week four, what happened against Kansas City in the preseason? 15 completions out of 31 attempts, which is 48.4 completion percentage. Again, this is t- that, that's really bad, man. Over the preseason, 49.1 completion percentage. That's exactly what we saw in college. Very low completion percentage. He threw for 294 yards over three, three games, 5.5 average. And he threw one touchdown, two interceptions in that game, 43.3 NFL passer rating in that game. I, I you know, I understand the hype. Um... But I would say, first of all, we've got a lot of guys that are preseason guys. I mentioned Kumaro probably isn't going to be on the roster. I shouldn't say probably. I think there's a good chance he's not on the roster. And the reason I say that is because I think Kumaro, similar to Reggie Gilbert, is a guy that just excels in the preseason. If you look at him in practice, he's awesome. If you look at him in the preseason, he's awesome. You look at the regular season, Kumaro didn't do very much. Reggie Gilbert was terrible in the regular season compared to the preseason. Tim Boyle had a couple, I guess he was graded out as good games. I think he had one good game. But even in that one good game in preseason week one, very low completion percentage, which was a problem to begin with. The the idea that he could even be a backup, much less a starter, in my personal opinion. And again, no problem with your opinion. Have your opinion. Blast it on Twitter. Put it out there. I think I encourage that absolutely. I'm just telling you my opinion as the host of this podcast, Tim Boyle, will never dethrone Deshaun Kaiser, and he will absolutely never be a starting quarterback. 
I have the most respect for Tim Boyle. I think he's a grinder. I think he has a great attitude. I think he's a great person. I would love for him to be able to stay on this team and hone his craft and have a great career. I wish the best for him. I'm just using the information that I have available. And I'm saying I don't see anything. I see a guy that was undrafted for a reason. I see a guy that's built like a quarterback but doesn't really play very well. I see very low completion percentage. I see three touchdowns, two interceptions, which is actually a phenomenal touchdown to quarterback or <laughs> touchdown to interception ratio compared to what he gave us in college. There's not a lot here, right? Again, super big flashes in preseason, but if the reason you love a guy is because of flashes in practice or flashes in preseason, remember Aaron Rodgers' touchdown to interception ratio in practice is probably about like four to a thousand. He throws like 18, he throws more interceptions in one year of practice than he probably has thrown in his entire career. He throws nothing but interceptions in practice. Practice doesn't mean anything. Preseason doesn't mean anything. Look at the regular season, which he's never played. Look at his college career. Look at, again, it is what it is, man. And I, 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 I just, I feel really uncomfortable because I wish I could be that guy that just jumps on the Tim Boyle bandwagon that can just be like, I wish I can just be, you know, I, I sometimes I just want to be a homer. I want to just love those underdogs. I just want to love those guys. But, you know, I, I can't be that way. I'm just too, I don't know, numbers and, and analytics oriented. And when I look at Tim Boyle, I just don't see it. So that that's my answer. I, I just I, I don't think Tim Boyle realistically is ever going to become anything but a third string guy. And and listen, if he proves me wrong, awesome. Feel free to write down this episode number and refer back to this when Tim Boyle takes over as a starting quarterback somewhere. And I will absolutely eat my words as I've done a thousand times already in my, you know, three hundred and some episodes. By the way, we're creeping up on four hundred. Super excited about that. But my honest opinion, Tim Boyle, I think, is realistic about where he's at. I, I think he's reached the pinnacle, and I think he's going to make a good amount of money, and I appreciate his effort, and I appreciate all that. I don't think he goes much higher than where he's at right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, the, the last question that I have that was called or text into me, texted into me, but is from a another regular, Kyle from Kansas. But he texted in a quote-unquote unpopular opinion, and that is we need to re-sign Ty Montgomery. Here's what he had to say. He'll be very cheap. He adds depth to the running back position, and I would bet he would be the starting slot receiver by week one. I really think Green Bay drafted him to be uh, Cobb's replacement, and in my opinion, he still can. He had an attitude problem and fumbled at the worst time, but he was disciplined by being traded, so I would, um, so he would know the Packers mean business. I really think his potential is 250 to 500 yards rushing, 500 to 700 yards receiving, 8 to 10 touchdowns, and would be a perfect weapon in the new offense, Kyle from Kansas. So let me find a little bit of middle ground here. Being that my theme this offseason is locker room, I'm going to say this isn't going to work. I guess I kind of get what you're saying as far as he learned his lesson, but that's that's a pretty volatile situation, right? The GM basically called you out and said, you're toxic to this team and you're going bye-bye. To bring you back is, you know, it's just it's not going to work, man. So here, here's what I'll do. I want to scour the running backs in the draft class. 
and I want to do my best at finding the next Ty Montgomery. Now, I, I could just say receiving back, but I want to try to find the right proportions. So I'm looking for a guy that's similarly sized, because Ty was a pretty big dude, but I'm also looking for a guy that was equally as talented as a runner and as a receiver. The main criteria that I'm looking at, I want about a, a guy that's around six foot, maybe, you know, six foot, six one, over 220 pounds. I want a guy that's, you know, kind of a third-ish round guy. You know, I, I don't want somebody that's a seventh round guy and I'm not looking for a first round prospect, but second, third, fourth round, somewhere in that range. Beyond that, I'm looking for actually somebody that's a little bit more well-rounded, even though Ty Montgomery was seen as more a receiving back. You got to remember, receiving back means running back that's better than receiving as, you know, compared to normal running backs, which is not very good. So in reality, he's he's pretty well-rounded, but I would still say he's a better receiver than he is a runner. So well-rounded, but better receiver than runner, and a big dude, also middle-round kind of guy. So to be honest, it's kind of a tough task. I don't know if anyone perfectly falls into that place, but the one guy that sort of stands out, and I don't think he's going to go mid-rounds, I think he's going to be a little bit later, but it's LJ Scott. LJ Scott plays for Michigan State. Currently on NFLBigBoard.com, I have LJ Scott at 226, which is, we're talking like seventh round pick. Now he didn't grade out very well as far as PFF is concerned. 61.5 makes him basically average, Uh, but he's six foot, 227 pounds. In terms of his proportions, he's, he's pretty even overall. Not the greatest pass blocker, but he's done well in that category in years past. And he's a, almost perfectly even as far as running and receiving. Maybe a little bit better as a receiver than a runner. 2018 was actually a pretty rough year, which is probably hurting his stock a little bit. But, you know, for example, if you look at 2017, 201 attempts for 897 yards, which is 4.5 average. 2016, 184 attempts. Almost 1,000 yards, 5.3 average, 2015, 4.8 average. If you look at yards after contact, 3.1, 3.7, 3.2. Again, 2018 was bad, 2.3. But I you know, I don't know exactly what happened in 2018, but he's he's shown in the past an ability to be a pretty solid runner. And the, the PFF score does reflect that. His, his worst year as a runner was in 2018. However, his best year as a receiver was 2018, so it's one of those things where if you can make an excuse for why his, his abilities as a runner went down, whether it's an injury or whatever, you might be looking at potentially a bit of a steal. But, I, you know, again, I don't exactly know. Similarly, as a pass blocker, this past year was pretty terrible, but he's he's been at least serviceable in the past, especially as a freshman, uh, about as good of a runner as he was as a uh, pass blocker. So LJ Scott is not going to be a guy that's going to be earth shattering. I don't think he's the kind of Ty Montgomery guy that you're looking for. I'm going to try to find one other prospect that can be a little bit more of a Ty Montgomery. Maybe not fits the mold as perfectly, but kind of giving that that little bit of a punch. Um, but as, as far as finding a fit that I think is more of just a, a filler that can be well-rounded, that is proportionally the same as Ty Montgomery, that can play as a receiver, that can play as a runner, that isn't going to be like a star, but you know he's he, he'll be our third running back. I think LJ Scott, especially in the later rounds, is an option. If we look at draft position, Ty Montgomery was taken in the 90s. So according to NFL Big Board, we're looking at guys like Daryl Henderson, Miles Sanders, Elijah Holyfield, Justice Hill, Benny Snell, Travion Williams, Rodney Anderson, Bryce Love. We'll, we'll, we'll look at those guys in particular. Of that group, Daryl Henderson really stands out. Now, it's a little bit unfair because Daryl Henderson is also higher, highest up on the board, and I just genuinely really like him. As far as proportions, he's a better runner than a receiver, but a very good receiver and somebody that kind of broke out as a receiver in 2018. But he's five foot eight, 208 pounds, so doesn't fit the Gutekunst mold, doesn't fit the Ty Montgomery mold of being a bigger guy. 
But if you're looking at a guy that's elusive and kind of electric as a runner, um, but is a smaller kind of guy that maybe isn't going to hold up quite as well, but as a receiver also has that little bit of an edge, Daryl Henderson is a solid guy. And, you know, smaller school Memphis, but, I mean, g- give me a break here. 214 attempts, 1,909 yards, 8.9 yards per carry. In 2017, 9 yards per carry. I mean, the guy is just a freak. 6.2 yards after carry um, per attempt, 5.6 yards after carry per attempt in 2017. His longest carries in 2018 and 2017 was 82 yards. In 2018, the guy had 22 touchdowns, two fumbles. Uh, he ran a 4-4-9, so he's got blazing speed for a running back. I, I really like Daryl Henderson. I, th- I think he's kind of that next level guy. Um, I think he has breakaway potential. And, uh, you know, that sort of electric potential, especially outside zone, right? Break into the outside really quick, but also as a receiver. I really like Daryl Henderson. I don't know about his abilities in the slot. I can't really speak to that. But considering his receiving ability, I do think he's a pretty solid guy. So that'll be my compromise. But in general, and and listen, again, for the billionth time, I understand some people don't care as much as I do about the locker room. In that regard, you know, maybe you could see a role for Ty. But especially considering how many guys that are running backs in this year's draft class aren't necessarily top tier, but could probably come in and be as impactful as Ty Montgomery was, which, let's be honest, it wasn't very, um, minus the sort of tension that would occur by bringing back Ty Montgomery. I'm comfortable not bringing him back, but maybe just trying to find a replacement that does fill that kind of role, a guy that can be a running back, but also can be a receiver. And I think there's several options. So anyways, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, once again, I appreciate everybody who's calling and texting in with all the questions. It's given me a lot to think about and a lot to talk about. But otherwise, you folks, enjoy your Saturday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.